Hey, fellow cyclists and friends, has anyone told you how amazing you are? Yeah, you. Yeah, it's true. And I just want to let you know that I've been thinking about you, the new year's coming around, and I hope you have the most amazing week and the most amazing holidays. Now, our podcast is clearing a hundred thousand downloads thanks to you guys, and I just want to shout you out. You guys are so amazing, but I have something really special for you. Continue listening. You're a woman, this is totally for you. The four-week cycling skills workshop benefits all women. These skills can be implemented immediately on the bike and trainer, cycling outside, indoor cycling, on a spin bike or peloton. All your current frustrations and questions will be answered guaranteed. If you're interested in joining me, don't wait another moment. With this link, you can get started at the beginning of each month. I know you're trying to decide whether or not to check out the four-week cycling skills workshop for women, but I don't blame you. There are so many other online cycling training platforms that offer cycling routes and training sessions, but there but here's what makes my four-week cycling skills workshop different. First of all, it's taught by someone who's not just starting out but actually has is pretty experienced. I've been working with free clients in my cycling club, Cyclefit Chicks, all the way to Canadian national female cyclists. And I continuously update my coaching tactics to help beginner to advanced cyclists level up with these cycling techniques. Hardly anyone is talking about. Secondly, the four-week cycling skills workshop for women is so much more. A lot of times there are online cycling training programs that teach you how to train intensely but don't, don't but actually don't help you develop the fundamental cycling skills and techniques such as gear management, hill climbing, strength, power and speed and nutritional timing in order to effectively become a faster, fitter and more efficient cyclist and well-rounded athlete. And also there are very few courses about cycling that actually teach you how to develop a smooth, efficient pedal stroke. The four-week cycling skills workshop for women aims to fill both these gaps in the cycling in cycling training. Not to mention, the workshop provides the recordings of the explanations, demonstrations, plus homework. In addition, you will gain access to a library of over 100 strength training workouts to help you level up and that is all on top of the core curriculum you already get when you join the workshop. So it's safe to say I'm delivering incredible results coaching over a thousand female cyclists through my cycling club and now it's even more exciting to impact more female cyclists globally through my four-week cycling skills workshop for women. You can't go wrong when you join a workshop developed by a woman for women. It's time to level up and remove the frustrations. So if you're ready to join, just click the link that you see and secure your spot today in one of the next four-week cycling skills workshops for women's sessions. Now before the new year with um, this amazing deal, a 25, 25% off until December 31st. Limited spots available. Don't wait another minute. Click the link and roll today and I can't wait to see you on the inside. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, 
fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou, sitting here in beautiful Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And I'm so excited to have found this woman who is currently in the UK, but I found out that she is Canadian from Nova Scotia. Woo! So this is Michelle, uh, is it Brideau? Yes, I can't even say it properly. That I can't do the rolling. <laughs> I was just like, man, that's kind of a French name. Um, and she has uh, been living in the UK for a number of years. So Michelle started cycling commuting in 2014 in London as a way of getting uh, a way to stay fit and exercising, adding exercise into her life. Five months later, she was planning a ride across Canada. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and in her first year, she bought three bikes. So since then, she has been on many tours. She cycled in the Pyrenees, fell in love with long distance cycling and achieved super randonneur status. So funny, Michelle, that I read that because I just talked, I just interviewed a guy who was a randonneur in Ontario. And um, so cycling has truly changed her life from being her medicine, keeping Crohn's in remission. We're going to, I'm going to actually ask you about that to becoming her new career. Since she opened her one last car shop online, a cycling accessories store for those who travel by bike, Michelle, I am super excited that I found you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to have a chat with the Canadians. So. <laughs> Yay! I know. Eh? And like, yeah, and I'm glad I found your podcast now. Well, thanks. Oh my God. So, so I always, so there's a lot of things that I have to ask for you and I'm sure our listeners are like, Oh, bring out the goods. So let's start with how you got into cycling or maybe better yet, how you found yourself in London and into cycling. All right. So I always wanted to live abroad. I only speak English despite my <laughs> French name. So it kind of limited my options. And while I would love to live in New Zealand, it was a bit far from home I thought I'd feel cut off from family and friends and it's, it's just reassuring to know you know right across the pond is home because I'm from Halifax so it's you know right there um so I ended up in England fulfilling that dream of living abroad um in 2007 and I was based in London gosh um yeah so was on my way, merry way interestingly enough about a month after living moving to London I did buy a bike um and that first attempt failed miserably my second attempt also failed why did it uh, fail yeah, it took, how did it fail? I think I scared myself. I went out for a ride <laughs> and then just kind of like, cause I don't know the left side of the road and I don't know the rules of, you know, the road mm. in the UK had only been there a month and, and just a lot of traffic and a lot going on and not knowing where I was going. Cause I didn't know the neighborhood. So I think it just overwhelmed me. So I, I parked my bike and it was locked up outside of, of the flat I lived in. Cause the flat had a set of stairs. I could never carry a bike up or down. 
and um yeah three months later it was stolen <laughs> I was gonna say that must have been <laughs> yeah but don't worry oh you should, I should send you a picture of this bike looking back on it now that I have an eye for beautiful bikes like oh that is one hideous bike I just wanted it because it was red and it was like 50 pounds and that was like my budget because I just moved country um but now oh it's just it's a hideous department store bike when I look at it it's just awful um part, part of the reason I probably didn't enjoy it because I wasn't fit it was probably really hard work to ride that bike um and that yeah the second attempt was my husband had started cycling um we lived near where the Olympics were being held in London at the time of the Olympics he thought there is no way I'm going to be able to get on the tube and get to work I best get a bike so I can cycle in so that's how he was my boyfriend at the time how he started cycling and then I think he thought oh we should get Michelle a bike and I think he saw <laughs> I've been looking at Bromptons at the time I've been eyeing up Bromptons trying to decide shall I try the cycling thing again and um I thought yeah I will but I need to save for this bike I want this Brompton because I was worried about it getting stolen after having one stolen and uh he bought me I don't know how much it was but the cheapest folding bike you have ever seen and I really like I try to tell people this if you want to cycle and you want to be successful you really have to get a decent bike and I think mm -hmm. a decent bike means 500 pounds full price I don't mean thousands but you know if, if you can get on a 500 pound bike on sale fine but that's sort of the starting point for a decent bike in my mind um yeah this bike was awful <laughs> I the first time I rode it um the bolt holding the handlebars didn't hold up so when I stood up to get over a canal like a bit on the canal it collapsed and I almost fell in the canal so that kind of put me off riding that bike and it was hard work I eventually sold that bike to somebody and I rode it the 14k to work to give it to them and at this point I was in good shape I was you know in really good shape and I found that 14k really hard so I know that bike was <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> um so yeah, all your boyfriends out there that want your girlfriends to ride bikes, at least get them a decent one. <laughs> I, think I always tell, I always tell my ladies that like, if you want to have a good experience, like a thousand dollars, 15 for an entry level yeah. bike that you'll sit on for probably five years, you know, and that, I started on one like that too. And then I upgraded to 3000 yeah. and then 6,000. So it, you know, it goes with it, but it definitely pays off when you get something decent. Yeah. yeah. You learn a lot from that first bike, but you need to have a bike, like you say, that you're going to want to sit on. And, and the price range you're giving is similar to impounds, what I'm talking about, what you get here. So, yeah, it, it makes a difference. It's not, I think everyone thinks a bike should cost what their last kid bike cost. You know, oh, a bike, $200, right? Because that's what their last bike as a kid cost, maybe. I don't know. But there's this weird concept of what bikes, bike pricing should be. But it's worth spending out. There's no sense in spending 200 and have it sit around collecting dust. Then you've wasted 200 You might as well go get the decent one that will get used right so anyway so the third attempt did stick but it was oh it was after I'd been sick I had a flare-up of my Crohn's um and and actually I shouldn't say that I try not to say my Crohn's it's Crohn's flared up um and I had I actually had to resort to surgery in this instance and really realized I'd gotten away with a lot over the years in London and really, although I didn't have a car, so I was walking a lot, really didn't have a lot of movement in my life. And I really, really didn't like the gym and I just started a new career. So I was trying to figure out how am I gonna, I don't wanna go to the gym, I don't have time to go to the gym. So I thought, oh, I'll try this commuting by bike thing. Um, <laughs> and that will kill two birds with one stone, right? I'll commute and I'll, I'll just multitask and it will save me money, that will be great. 
Um, mm -hmm. As we all know, when we fall into in love with cycling, it does not save you money. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know <laughs> three bikes in one year did not save me any any tube fare. <laughs> um, so, but 14k is is not a short distance for somebody who's you know had surgery that year and you know just gained. I just gained the weight back from the weight I lost from that. Um, so 14k was a bit intimidating. You know, 30k a day is a lot for someone starting new. And it was November when my bike finally arrived and that's a dark and dreary time of year to start cycling. So I, I committed three days yeah. of the week that, you know, just three days, that way I could pick the three good weather days at least, right? And pick and choose. And so, yeah, it started off um, as the scariest scaredy cat ever. Like the thought of sharing the road with traffic petrified me. Um, first time I went out finding to do route finding with Nathan, who's my husband now. Uh, there was a row of parked cars so we had to take the lane and and he went out in the middle of the road to you know go around these parked cars and I was like uh, and I just stopped and pulled over and he's like what are you doing and I'm like but we're gonna hold up the cars behind us and he's like uh-huh and I'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like mm -hmm. get in the road <laughs> so I I've slowly built up my confidence over the winter um I was taking you know paths and side roads and quiet roads and you know where I was comfortable and then as I learned how to maneuver myself and keep safe and position myself in the road. I learned quite quickly, you know, I'm going to get close past if I stay in the gutter. So I need to assert my position in the road. Um, we have a lot of pinch points in the UK. So I take the, I take the center of the lane and there's pinch points. So just learning to survive. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, spring came and then there was sunshine and I was realizing I'm over the fear and I'm really loving this. And I went the long way home to did a loop around the park um, then I signed up for a ride to Oxford, thinking that'll be a fun challenge to do with Nathan. So I'm like, well, I best go out on weekends and, you know, build up these miles and sign up the club. We, so I worked at Sky as in uh, the company that sponsored Team Sky. So I had a lot of support at work. And that's why that event existed, because the company was hosting the event. Um, so, yeah, showed up at the Sky Velo. And uh, I was on my hybrid bike with a D-lock attached. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. the most embarrassing moment in cycling, which probably <laughs> the most embarrassing things. And I looked around and I had asked them, you know, what's your average speed, blah, 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 and all this. But I, I wanted to learn how to ride in a group because the sportif would require me to ride around other people. And um, wow. There is and they're like, with your bike, you might want <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the opposite. They were so kind to me. So oh, I, I, good. I X Team Sky Bikes. There's a, a Dogma Pinarello. I had no idea at the time, but I looked at it and knew I am out of my league. These are some nice bikes. <laughs> and God, why didn't David let me leave the house with the D-lock attached? <laughs> he, he had never ridden with a club before himself, as much riding as he had done up to this point. He'd never done a club ride. So I was like thinking, should I, should I toss this in the bush? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> you're like but I've had my bike stolen before I need my because yeah. because they said there's a cafe stop so I'm like I need a look oh well that, hey, that makes sense right yeah oh my um <laughs> yeah so uh and I'd only cycled 35k in one go at this point and this was a it was in total from home and back um 90 kilometers so it was a big jump for me to go that far with all that extra weight <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they started off and we had a second meeting point, um, for the rest of the group and the team lead said, okay, so we're going to split into two groups today, a fast group and a slow group. And I'm like, 
Excellent. <laughs> I know why we're doing this, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so kindly four of them stayed behind with me in the slow group. And, you know, they made me feel welcome. And it's because of that. Um, I came home like blitzed from doing that kind of distance for the first time and sat on the couch. And the first words out of my mouth was, I'm buying a road bike. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they made me feel welcome. Otherwise, I would have just never gone back and I don't know what I would have done. But it, those little, those beginners, they know they're holding you up. They, they're not stupid, right? And as a beginner, you have a lot to learn. So they showed me kindness and I came back with a road bike. So, and that at that point, like win-win. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I realized I really like the stop when you're commuting, you're stopping and starting a lot. So it's a, it's a different type of riding and it's a very in the moment. You're very focused. And I love that about commuting because it kept me in the moment. So whatever you're stressing about that day, you forget it for 45 minutes because you're focused on staying alive and not getting hit by the double decker <laughs> bus. And the and I love that because I have a very busy mind and I love that it for those 45 minutes. It's almost like meditation because I was put in the moment I had to focus to stay alive and when I got to work I felt like I accomplished something I, I made it alive <laughs> and when I went on the longer rides I fell in love with cycling for a different reason it just felt like the rhythm and the meditation it was almost like people say meditation in motion and I could really get that because there wasn't the stop starting and when you're drafting especially if you're drafting a fast group um, you really get in this rhythm and it's amazing um, so I fell in love with that side of cycling and that's why I ended up with the road bike because I knew I would enjoy doing long rides regularly and um, yeah so that was how I started cycling in London. Asking Michelle about Crohn's and how um, have you had Crohn's like like when did you develop Crohn's and how did you how did you use cycling to um, with to Crohn's yeah go back and just talk about that yeah so I I remember as a like, teenager thinking oh I am so glad I have a stomach of steel I, I don't know what I would do if I had a you know a troublesome stomach and I don't know why but I remember having that thought and being grateful for the stomach of steel I had but then in the later years in high school I started getting like iffy stomach so it could have been then, or that could have been just normal hormones fluctuating. I don't know, because I wasn't diagnosed until I was 25, 26, when I was living in Vancouver. And I just, it, it came to the point, I complained to my doctor in Halifax that my stomach was getting upset a lot. And she sent me to a specialist who asked me questions and did a test that for somebody who had never been sick or to a doctor was mortified, like just so embarrassed. Um, and, and maybe it was his bed bedside manner but I just was humiliated so I never went back but then in Vancouver my quality of life got so bad that I was surviving every day you know I was sitting in front of clients I was a travel agent at the time and I would be having massive cramp and I would just sit there like nothing was happening <laughs> and just continue on what I was doing because I had to I didn't know what else to do but I would get home and I couldn't eat so I was living off very few. so those of you who don't know what Crohn's is it's an inflammatory bowel disease which can affect any part of your digestive tract from your mouth to the very end. Um, so I was getting in, in its inflammation. So my intestines were inflamed, so I couldn't eat or absorb nutrients. So I could eat very little and what I could eat, I wasn't absorbing very much of. So I was very tired all the time, little low energy. You know, I couldn't go out hiking in, when I lived in Vancouver and enjoy all the beautiful um, outdoors there because 
I just didn't have the energy to do it. So when my quality of life got so bad, I was like, you can do whatever test you want on me. <laughs> I don't care. I want to know what's wrong with me. And I was trying elimination because I had an eight month wait to see a specialist in Vancouver. And so I was trying elimination diets and I was just like, what is going on? Um, it turned out my boyfriend at the time, he smoked and he smoked inside our flat and smoking is secondhand smoke is a trigger for Crohn's. So that is why it flared up at that point in my life. Um, so I got diagnosed. I was very happy to have a name for what was wrong with me. Then I found out it's an incurable disease with no real good treatment. And I was like, oh, nothing <laughs> <laughs> uh, really changed except I knew what was wrong with me. Um, yeah. And I just and kept right. It was, it was pretty harsh. Um, and then a few years later, I, I talked to somebody whose wife had arthritis in her joints and right. swollen joints were one of my symptoms of Crohn's. So I had inflammation in other parts of my body and my joints were one of them. And they said, oh, my wife takes this stuff called bromelain. You, sh you should try. And I thought, that's interesting. Um, hmm. So that conversation went away. It took me some months later um, to get around to finding it and trying it. And it's just a natural anti-inflammatory found in pineapples. Um, so I tried it. And within 48 hours, joints were back to normal. And then about a week later, I'm like, I haven't had a stomach ache in a week. That's a really good week for me. And another week and another. And I'm like, what is this stuff? And it's also a digestive enzyme. But I'm like, I don't know what this stuff is, but I'm normal, like for the first time in years. <laughs> Where can I get this in mass supply? <laughs> yeah, basically, I can never run out of this stuff, right? Because the medications they gave me weren't working and other medications they wanted to give me, I wouldn't take because they didn't have good success rate and they had horrible side effects. So, you know, and then there's this natural anti-inflammatory that in 48 hours had me back to normal. It was, it was just incredible luck I had that conversation, right? So the reason why I ask is that my daughter who's 19 has, she, she either has Crohn's um, or, but she's been diagnosed with, she has inflammatory, like she has real bad gut issues, but what they've dis discovered is that her stomach, like her food sits in her stomach too long. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, um, like it doesn't move and I yeah. can't remember what the name is for it. Yeah. Um, so she's not digesting any nutrients because it sits in the stomach acids too long. Yeah. And it, you know, by the time it moves through, like everything is absorbed yeah. and broken down. Yeah. Um, is that something that you're experiencing or is that completely, I have to. I, I used to feel like what you would, what a normal person would feel like after eating Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. I would feel like that after two, three bites of food. So it would just, it, like you say, it would sit. But the reason it would sit for me is because my intestines were so narrowed, it would take so long for it to fit through, right? So my spot is, um, like I say, it can affect any part of your digestive tract. For me, it was where your large and small intestines connect. So as soon as some food hit there, everything just would start backing up. So I would get three, four bites of food in and then feel like I've had a turkey dinner and like, oh, I feel Ill, like don't wanna eat anymore. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll send you a link with the bromeline. It's important that you get a good quality, potent version of it to get enough of the, the anti-inflammatory. It's a digestive enzyme too. So I think it had double, double impact for me, but what happened with the cycling side of it was, so for years, that was my way of maintaining my health. Um, and I had that flare up 
in London. I just couldn't understand it because I hadn't been exposed to secondhand smoke. I hadn't, I just couldn't find what the trigger would have been in in that uh, instance. So, um, and the symptoms were very different to when I was in my twenties. In my twenties, it was the the normal running to the toilet multiple times a day, having stomach cramps. In this case, the symptoms were quite different. Um, And when they said it was a flare-up, I was quite, I was a little bit surprised actually, because I didn't recognize the symptoms. Um, so yeah, so I started, so I resorted to surgery to get, so what happens is you get scarring. So the narrowing of your intestine becomes more permanent because you're, you're, you have ulcers that build up and heal and then they leave scarring and that scarring starts to become what's narrowing your intestine. So I said to my doctor, um, I think it's time we remove the damage bits and just see if I can't get back on track. And that's what we agreed. And I mean, I was in tears. I thought I'd, I one day would have to resort to it, but way, way more in the future. And, and because these symptoms, I didn't recognize them. It was, a, it was upsetting to me to go under the knife, basically. I, yeah. So we did that, got my health back on track, which is why I looked back and thought, I, I can't take my health for granted anymore. And I'm 38, I need to get movement in my life. And I want to eat cake. I love cake. And, you know, um, I can't get away with that as easily as I used to. And I'm, I'm used to being able to eat what I want, right? I've been quite thin all my life without trying. And I was like noticing I wasn't quite getting away with that anymore. Because <laughs> funny how back. that happens. <laughs> You're like, oh. <laughs> and I had the joy of stuffing my face to put the weight back on after surgery. But then I'm like, mm, got to stop now. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Then, yeah. So I tried to get in on a trial that was happening in Vancouver. Canadian trial that was about resetting your immune system which they yeah they think it's a problem with your immune system Crohn's and because it was a solution not a band-aid to the symptoms I was like I'm interested in what they're doing they're not saying here take this pill for life that has horrible side effects to then patch up you know all the symptoms you're having they're saying we're going to reset your immune system so you can be normal again and I was like that's of interest to me so I signed up with them to go on their trial and um, stopped taking the bromeline. And gosh, at this point, I've been cycling for about four months and didn't get sick, didn't get sick, didn't get sick. <laughs> like, what is going on? The only thing I've changed is I started cycling. And I went to New York with a friend for a trip, and we were five days in New York. And we, I didn't have a bike, I didn't ride, and um, started getting symptoms. And I was like, to my friend, I need to find a health food store, I need some bromeline like I'm, I'm getting my joints are starting to hurt to get this under control and same thing happened every time I went five days or more than cycling I would start to feel the niggles and the symptoms and I'm like no it can't be the bike it can't be the bike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the bike so every time I go it's about seven days now um, without cycling I start to get symptoms. Um, and as soon as I feel them, like I know them, like I'm, you become really in tune with your body when you have an illness like that. And I know them, I know like if my hip starts aching, that's, that's it. Even, and my doctor said, my doctor has it as my treatment now, my specialist. Um, I was in Canada without a bike once and I felt it coming on and I turned around the car and I went home to my dad's, put on some leggings and went for a run for 20 minutes. Cause I'm like, obviously it's not cycling, it's not magic. It's the getting your heart rate up, I think, and, you know, exercising, it must flush my system. My system must be sluggish or something. I don't know. Um, 20 minute run. I'm fine. 
And so my doctor says, okay, I don't want to hear about this running business. You can only run in emergencies. <laughs> and she like, just said, because of the way you're running, <laughs> it's suspended. Um, it's not great. It's not great for it. She says, I don't, you know. Oh, the balancing? Running marathons. Yeah, there's something that she said about, because of what she sees after the marathon with people with Crohn's and stuff. Yeah, so she's not anti-running but you know she doesn't want me to turn into a marathon runner I don't think um so well, it makes sense like if it's all that bouncing and just the the jiggling yeah. I guess maybe of the acid in the stomach and I think yeah or just the suspension putting stress on it I don't know she doesn't want my stomach under stress and she we were also we were talking about it when we when I first discovered it and she's like also when you pedal there's an almost a massaging of your lower intestines going on, right? Because oh, way- the, no, that makes sense. Because like yeah. the yeah. hips. I, I think it's I think it's because I by running and get my heart rate up, I flush my system more efficiently. I think I just have a sluggish system, maybe. Um, I think that yeah. um, because of the removal of that portion of your intestine would have because mm-hmm. nothing's backed up now, and it's no. I, I think it would have been the case before that because they only took eight centimeters out. It's not like they took a Oh, you have, wow. have a lot in there. <laughs> I only lost yeah, no, I was thinking like, you know, maybe four inches or something like that, yeah. but eight centimeters. Okay. That's not, and, and my, um, appendix, so I got two for one surgery. <laughs> never have to worry about, because, because my weak point is on the, in the area your appendix is, I never now have to worry. Oh, is that feeling an appendix attack? So yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's something you don't want to worry. So <laughs> that's really interesting. Like, cause I'm going to talk to my daughter about this um the thing is about my daughter is that she doesn't live with me so I don't get to hear all the updates and you know what she's what she's doing but this is really interesting and I'm going to take take it offline after just to Mm -hmm. ask you about this but so how did you then end up from what you went to the UK came back to Canada went back to the UK and now you're established and you're you've got your business yeah. Uh, so cycling, yeah, it changed, it changed my life in so mm-hmm. many ways, right? It's, it's my medicine now. It's, you know, it's the way I go out to have fun. It's how I meet people. Um, but it's also became a job and a career, interestingly, um, quite recently. So I started um, my YouTube channel to uh, record my ride across Canada. So, um, yeah, I thought it would, I've always taken photos and when I was a teenager I saved up for a video camera so I've always loved recording things and and YouTube's a great place to share and I just felt like when I was researching my trip all the blogs I read were so helpful to me but there was no video or anything out there Um, so I thought I'll I'll do it as a video because I don't think I'll I'll want to sit there and write a journal at the end of the day I'll be too tired right it's like I could just talk into my camera this is how I'm feeling like right now So in order to be able to do that and learn to edit, I started videoing and sharing the journey leading up to it. So, you know, the training I was doing and the rides I was going on and, you know, testing the camping gear just as a way to practice the editing. So I wouldn't be learning it on the road. Um, So every week in Canada, uh, we released a video of, of a week's worth of the trip as we went along. And I really enjoyed the fact that people would say things like, Oh, you've inspired me to get my bike out of the garage and dust it off. And, and just to see somebody who isn't sporty or racing or trying to be the fastest, I thought it was a, a different side of cycling that you don't always see in the media. Um, 
and I also when I when I had the question when it popped in my head I was just like oh I wonder how long it would take to cycle cycle across Canada I didn't really think people did it I just was kind of like I wonder how long it would take to do that kind of distance as I started to fall in love with the road cycling and you know doing 100k and all that but when I googled it and I saw people's touring blogs I'm like oh people do this <laughs> this is a thing yeah oh and there's tours <laughs> yeah and they're like I want to do that so for two weeks Nathan thought I was actually joking that I was going to cycle across Canada and I said okay they've approved the time off work unpaid leave um are you coming because I'm going <laughs> and he's like oh she's not joking <laughs> did he ride with you or was he your like did he drive no he rode so I mean he, he loves cycling as well. I think I surpassed him in the cycling obsession but you know he was well before I started cycling we'd be out and you know when you hear the noise of a bike hub and you look because you can't help but look to admire the bike or see what they're riding he used to do that and I'm like well at least you're checking out bikes not women but <laughs> I mean I do that now so I understand right you want to see see what the bike is oh that sounds like a nice hub what, what is it yeah we're like oh nice outfit mm -hmm. yeah exactly so uh, he was coming yes he wanted in on the adventure um and I was not worried about the cycling I just realized oh how many nights it was going to be I couldn't afford a hotel for all those nights I was going to have to bring camping and do the camping thing I was like, I've never camped in a tent before. We had like pop-up trailers as a kid and we went camping in campgrounds, but not this with the bears and the Rocky Mountains and the wild camping and the stealth camping and all that. And I was like more afraid of that than how am I going to cycle? I knew I could ride a bike 100K a day. That was not a problem. Um, so yeah, anyway, off we went, recorded it. The channel became a thing. We got back and um, I decided to keep making videos I did enjoy the process and I enjoyed showing that side of cycling that's about the joy and that I'm not terribly sporty I'm not you know I'm not worried about my watts I do like to be fast and strong but I don't worry about anything other than challenging myself and finding a challenge that motivates me to get out on my bike more um I don't race because I'm ultra competitive so I know if I open up that can of worms my life will just you know we'll have a life <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so I keep that under wraps for that reason I, I know from when I was younger I don't enjoy that it just stresses me and it's not a joy to me and, and I like it's my medicine so I can't have that I've seen people burn out and turn and not be able to look at their bikes and be unmotivated and I can't have that happen because it's my medicine so um yeah I kept making videos sharing my adventures sharing the tours I did in the UK i rode Odaxes, so shared my Odax experience in endurance. So I started getting into endurance riding um, by cycling around a lake in Sweden. 300K was my first endurance ride and shared all of that and just really enjoyed the comments. When you finished Canada, is that when you moved over to like Europe? No, I always, as of 2007, always lived over here. So it's almost 15 years. So I went back for visits, but I never went back to live. Okay, so when did you do across Canada? When did you bike across Canada? I've been here 10, 10 years, so 2016, so five years ago-ish. Okay, so you were, you, you were in, the, in Europe and you decided to go back and bike across Canada. Yeah, so I've been here almost okay. 10 years and I was actually at the point where Nathan and I knew we wanted to leave London but didn't know where to go. And cycling across Canada was almost a good tester of is Canada on the list of places we consider or not to move out of London to, um, and I love going home. It's an amazing way to see Canada. And people kept asking me where I was from because of my accent. And I'm like, ah, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm from here. What do you mean my accent? <laughs> I've got a kind of messed up 
accent now, apparently. Um, but yeah, I've always and you lived- can hear a little bit of the like the London accent, but the Canadian. <laughs> so all the Canadians hear the slight British twang I now have, and all the yeah, yeah. British hear my Canadian. And then some people ask me if I'm Irish, which must be the the Nova Scotia thing. <laughs> some people get it bang on. I hear Irish, and I hear Canadian, and I hear Southeast UK. What's going on? And I'm like, you just hit all the places I've lived. <laughs> the Irish Ooh. is the East Coast accent, but ah. uh, so yeah, I've, I've lived here almost 15 years now. Um, but um, yeah, so I kept the channel up. It, it offered all kinds of experiences to me, meeting people I wouldn't have met and, you know, the opportunity to test products and be asked to, you know, try out things and be invited places to ride. Um, yeah, so enjoyed it, kept, kept that going. I then last year, gosh, a year and a half ago or so now, was asked to be a presenter for a company that was locally here opening an electric bike and electric scooter company contacted me about being a presenter on their YouTube channel and I was just like um okay that's something I do as a hobby (laughs) I mean because I used to work at Sky Sports I mean you know there's proper presenters and professionals like I am not a presenter (laughs) and I'm quite happy in front like I used to be so awful and I really just like to be in front of the camera it's not my natural place to be at all and I learned to get better at it because I wanted this message of cycling is fun and you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it kind of to encourage, especially women to get out there and try it. Because if I can go from having a bike to five months later, planning a trip across Canada, and then because that was in May, June, I had to wait a year to actually do it. Um, and if I can commute in London, I was terrified of traffic. I mean, anyone could do it. I, so I just want women to see well, I'm not brave and strong or it wasn't when I started you know and you can come a long way quite quickly um in cycling which is the fun part about it right like that hill you couldn't climb you can now ride up mountains and um so I love that about it and it makes you respect your body so much more because you know I look at my legs and they've gone up you know the mountains in the Pyrenees they've crossed the Canadian mountains and Canadian Rockies and things and at one point when I was training for that ride across Canada I put my hand on my thigh and I was like oh whose thigh is that <laughs> it was just so rock hard and so little fat on it I didn't recognize you know it just felt like so- try and put your jeans on you're like oh yeah. my god body is amazing right go use it for something <laughs> interesting um so, yeah so I got this job as a presenter randomly um out of the blue and I, I'm like how could I say no to that you want to pay me to talk about bikes so I knew it was a risk and I took it and that lasted about 10 months and then they decided they didn't want a YouTube channel after all um and in the meanwhile my husband and I were talking about starting a cycling online shop and we were like okay we'll start it up in the background but you're gonna have to quit I was gonna have to quit my job because it would be a conflict of interest for the company I was now working for so we thought we'd get every all the ducks lined up in a row and then decide what to do when we had to by losing that job decision was made for us okay the time is now (laughs) okay yeah and so now I run a shop called one less car and this shop is different in that I wanted a shop that specializes specialized in cycling for transport because the girls at work at the job I had prior to that they were cycling in and one was new to it and one was sort of new to it and they're like where do you go to get a jacket that you know doesn't look like floral yellow all over the place and I can wear off the bike and and then they go oh I just got back from a bike shop and the, the guys in there oh they're just such dudes and like <laughs> yeah 
I remember looking for a nice bag. I'm like, I want a nice pannier that I can just lift up and it can look like a bag. Yeah. And I can put it on my bike. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a bag for my bike, but it's also, and that was a while ago and there was not very much to offer at that time. I found something, but uh, you know. Yeah. So that was sort of, and that's the part I'm passionate about because that was my foothold into the world, right? I think cycling for transport, it changes how you see your city. It changes how you feel about your commute. I know when I had to go take the train to work for whatever reason, I used to dread it. I used to miss my ride, that decompression, and I didn't want to be crammed on that train first thing in the morning and last thing in the day. And I really enjoy that time on my bike every day, twice a day. And um, yes, just commuting became a joy. So I just want other people to experience that, but stick at it. So like I said about the bike, I really think that if you have the right kit and you invest a little bit in the right kit, you'll enjoy that ride a little bit more because your feet aren't sopping wet and you're, you know, you're more comfortable. I'm not saying you have to go buy all kinds of specialist kit, but if your commute's more than 5k or so, it it does help to have the right kit. Um, So I just want people to enjoy the ride. And I think women in particular are less likely to invest in nice pieces for themselves than men for some reason. I'm not sure why. so I bought a lot of cheap products when I started because I didn't know if I'd stick to it and then end up replacing it all constantly because get breaking. Whereas if you invest in a quality piece, then it will last. So um, it's more probably people who have done it for a little while and now are getting serious, like this is going to stick. So I'm going to invest a little bit more in some good pieces. So I've curated all the things I've used over the years and really love. So we don't have a huge range of product. We have a very curated things that last, things that work, things that I've used and loved and know from experience work. Um, So that's sort of what it's about. And then in the future, so we've only been open since August. The idea, yeah, the idea is to add a line for touring. So it's, it's traveling by bike, be that short distance to work and shopping or around town to meet your friends or long distance to explore the world. So that's because that's what I love about cycling is exploring the world by bike. And uh, so the next line we'll introduce will be touring lines with peignets and kit for touring and, you know, merino wool tops that you can wear touring. And that's so huge, Michelle, because I just, um, I just here locally, I've been watching some ladies get into bike, bike packing, right. And gravel riding, (laughs) pardon which is what they call touring now. They used to call it. Yeah. So touring bike. Well, they use a bike packing. So, you know, and I actually watched one of your videos, you were talking about some of the kit that you had together. And I was like, and I got my first gravel ride. It's actually a steel frame Bianchi that was re repurposed as a gravel bike from this company in uh, this, this, um, they're called retro rides and they just buy up old steel frames and they refurbish them. Nice. So instead of spending 4,000, I spent 1200 and I got like a good, solid, comfortable gravel bike. And so I was like, Oh, you know what? Like, and I've been interviewing a lot of people who are into backpacking or bike touring. And I'm like, now this seems really cool. Like, I think this is something that I'd like to do or explore more of. So I did my own little like full day ride to a location to meet my, my husband, my kids. And I'm like, okay, you guys are going to go here. I'm going to bike from home there. 
and I'm going to take all the back rows and I'm going to bring like extra kit and stuff and to, you know, like clothes and things like that on my pannier and, and they, so I learned a lot along the way, let's just say <laughs> it took me like seven hours to go 700 kilometers <laughs> and I had to stop because my pannier, like my little, um, top bag, like I, which is like, I don't know, probably 10 years old it like basically bounced off. Like it really ripped right off. Yeah. So I'm like, I had one bungee cord. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, I need another bungee cord. And wouldn't you know, I, as I was biking, there was one on the road. I'm like, oh, I'm like yeah. stopped and like picked it up. Your fairy bike <laughs> mother was watching over you. <laughs> yeah, I know the universe like sent me something along further down the road, but literally. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a good learning experience because, um, you know, I don't know if I would bike backpack like um, tent just yet because I was watching you and that's like buying a whole lot of lightweight stuff. And but you can certainly bike to locations, stay, bike back. Yeah. And I like that option, too, because I never thought of it. Yeah. It's good to and then you have to try, you know, push yourself and then try the next thing and then add mm -hmm. on. To um, yeah. It, yeah, it's a big leap to go from never having done it to the stealth camping and all of that at once. Yeah, yeah. it's expensive because our, our lead up to Southern Cross Canada, we had to buy touring bikes. So, yeah, we got touring bikes that were Canadian. Um, yeah. I just happened to see Brody, which is a Canadian company, posted somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I want that bike. That's my bike. And Nathan's like, yeah, get me one too. <laughs> They're on sale and the Canadian dollar or the pound was quite strong at the time. So what we paid for them was phenomenal. Um, yeah. The risk was they were in Vancouver. My sister, we're starting in Vancouver. My sister lives there. So oh, okay. they had to pick them up for us. And so we tested everything in the UK, the camping gear. The one thing we didn't test before we rode across Canada was the actual bikes we were riding, <laughs> which is a big risk. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was between two sizes. Lesson learned. If you're between two sizes and you're a girl, it's a unisex bike, go down a size. I went up a size. So I had to do a bunch of um, modifications in Calgary to get the reach. The reach was just too much. I have a very short torso, and very long legs. So it was a good fit for the legs, but not the upper body. Um, but the, the risk paid off because I still have that bike and I love it. And even though I know, oh, it'd be better if it was the, the 51, not the 54, every time I get on that bike I just all the memories come back and the good times and it's just such a solid bike and I, I know I have a Brody take... I have a Brody as well it's a mountain bike get out it's, it's steel um it's chromoly actually and it's um it's like 20 years old and I love that bike like I'll never let go of it it's just yes. like the shifting the riding the rolling like it's 20 years old it's like a hardtail yeah. And I did some phenomenal racing on that. And I was just like, wow, I love this bike. <laughs> when, I, when I went to do the Grand Fondo and Whist, uh, the Whistler Vancouver Grand Fondo, uh, Brody lent us a couple bikes, a, a gravel bike for me. To, uh, yeah, it was an adventure bike technically to ride the Fondo on, which saved us having to bring bikes over to Vancouver. And they lent us two hardtails for when we were in, um, uh, went up to the where the wineries are in the lake. Anyway, we, we had a weekend away. Um, so we had some off-road bikes to, to take from it. So they lent us those bikes because I could show them off on the channel and stuff. Um, yeah, they make fun bikes. And even the like 
the not not top end ones they make are such good fun like uh, when I had to give that gravel bike back I was like oh, I like those 650b wheels they were good <laughs> and it was <laughs> Uh, I think it was the steel one that one was. So when I was going up the big hill, the big climb in the Grand Fondo, the king, there was a king of the mountains segment. And I was going by this woman on an S-Works. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> me and my steel bike. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she could have just had had an injury right before it. I'm sure she, she's very good. <laughs> the satisfaction of a steel bike going past an S-Works carbon bike is like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's why I can't race because I get like that, right? No, no, no. <laughs> It's okay. It's good to have a little bit of competitive nature in us. <laughs> so let's talk about your your um, your shop a little bit more because you said you just started in August, um, and I know because uh, you said that you have some inventory yes. uh, kicking around <laughs> that you want to show off. So I have a couple things that. I think will interest the roadies and the commuters. So, um, all right, let's go. One of the one of the favorites I have, um, and this is one of our best sellers, is is and people who ride road will recognize this concept. But it's a silicone shoe cover, so it turns your shoes into waterproof shoes, right? So you just slip that on. It takes a couple, unlike the road ones, it takes a couple seconds to get this on. So you slip your shoe into there, and then that makes your shoe your normal shoes waterproof. Oh, so, so there's no opening for a cleat or anything. Yes. So people who commute. So my idea of people who commute and ride around town right. is you're dressing for your destination. Yeah. You might not be, but I'm helping people who also dress for where they want to go. Right. Right. So you're wearing normal shoes. It's raining. Once I moved out of London and I'm in Bristol now, I didn't have the transport options that I had in London. So I depend on cycling to get around here. Um, and there is no decent bus system and there's no train system. So I depend, but I don't always dress like when I commuted 14 K that was exercise and I was pushing hard when I ride a bike here and I have electric Bromptons, I'm wearing normal clothes a lot of the time and I need to cover my shoes. So yeah, you, you could probably cut holes in the bottom if you had cleats, but you know, there's other ones for people with cleats. So this is for people and they're bigger because they're meant to go over a normal shoe. Right. So that is super cool. I don't think I've seen ones like that. And I don't know if you've ever wrestled with a road shoe version. My, my husband has the road shoe version of silicone ones. I mean, it's a big pain. Well, I have neoprene. Yeah, okay. Have the yeah. neoprene yes. zipper, zip ones. Yeah. So my husband has silicone road shoe ones and, oh, what the faff. <laughs> so oh, yeah. these, are like, these are like super two seconds. It's on over your trainers. Like they're brilliant. And it just sucks away. In your back. There's no worry of ripping those. Like they stretch, there- stretch, stretch. Yeah, no, they stretch no problem. And there's a tread on the bottom to give you grip and an extra, like if you have pedals with little spiky bits, right? Um, so they're brilliant. If you wear normal shoes on your bike, love those. Um, the other thing, so this is the latest thing that arrived today. Um, so this is called, yeah, interestingly enough, I'm from Nova Scotia and this is a lobster lock. And <laughs> the reason I love this is because, so these come out and they're like a lobster claw that go around your frame and back wheel like that. And the reason I love this lock is because I've gone out on my bike to run errands, got halfway down to where I'm going or arrived at wherever I'm going and been like, oh, got my lock, forgot my lock. And I have to go home to get my lock, which is big pain. And this lock, it um, bolts itself, I don't know if you can see, it bolts itself to your water bottle cage bolt. Right, oh, okay. Then is that part bike. of the holder? 
that um, goes underneath your water bottle and then it attaches on the side like some uh, um, bike pumps? No, it actually screws. So it actually, the, this is the... Um, oh, you don't have your... You, you can't you put your can. water bottle on it. You can put your water bottle on the top of it. Okay. So you put this oh. on first and then you can mount your water bottle holder with it on oh, top. Okay. But it means your lock is always on your bike, which for a right. commute transport bike is great. You know, it's not for your weekend road riding bike. Um, right. Now, if I go out, I always have a lock on my bike because it stays on my bike and it goes, I put it on the, the back tube, the seat tube, so that it goes around the back wheel. So it secures your frame and your wheel. Um, so that's the newest thing. It, it's an American company. So it took a while to get it over here in the UK or figure out how to. Oh, oh lobster quad. Lobster. Lobster lock. Yeah. And then lobster the last, lock. The last, oh, no. Okay. So two more. So this is Ooh. a dynamo. And this oh. goes with the light. But unlike oh. an expensive dynamo that goes in your hub, that you have to get a new wheel and you have to get somebody to install it. This uses um, frictionless and contactless, and it creates a magnetic field with your, it has to be aluminum rim, it won't work with carbon rims. So with your aluminum rim, it creates a magnetic field that creates the power to power your light. So you have no friction, you have no contact, but you have the benefit of um, a dynamo. Right, and, I remember, uh, yeah. Okay, you can't take that out of the box. Or is there more pictures on the back, Michelle? No. I mean, there is how it, so that's the wheel and you line, you line it up. Oh, I see. All right, everybody. So if you're not on, if you might want to watch this on YouTube, should have said that from the beginning. Um, yeah. So Michelle's showing us some of her products. Um, and if you want to flip there, you definitely can, because in the show notes, there's a link directly to the YouTube video. So, all right. I really like that because I remember when I was a kid, we'd have that big light on the front fork that attached that there's a little like um it was run off and it wheel. touched your wheel and it caused yeah, friction, it, made it harder to pedal and you would pull it out in the day to reduce that friction so yeah, a like, lot it was of people, like on off kind of yeah and a lot of people hear dynamo and they think mm, but this does not touch your wheel it's completely contactless frictionless what? it uses the magnetic field of your wheel and what's inside the dynamo to create the power so how how much power goes out of the light like how much is it going to you've tested this right yeah yeah so i it's great for city riding you wouldn't want it on a dark path in the middle of nowhere on a country lane because it's not okay. lighting the load the road in front of you in an enormous amount it's a, it's a be seen light basically versus a see by light so if you ride on country paths for part of your ride, you probably want to want to turn on when you get to the country road or lanes in this one. But this means that I have daytime running lights, you know, all year round. If I get caught, I've got caught out before where I didn't think I was going to be coming home at night and I ended up having to and I had no lights on me or so I always have lights on that bike once because once you put the light on, you don't have to take it off to charge it. So, oh, OK, so this is like one of those like it kind of acts like a reflector so people can see you from front and back, or is it just front? Front and back, but it is a light. It's a solid beam of light. And it does, you know, it does put a beam of light on the ground. I just, knowing the speed that some people travel, it wouldn't be powerful enough on a dark, dark lane to right. probably give you the light you'd want, right? So, um, but it's light. It's like not night riding, it wouldn't be a, a light for night riding. No, it is a, it is a night 
riding, but it's a light to be seen, right? That's so you've got light. lights that are for being seen and you've got lights that are for seeing. Yes. Almost, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, because of the amount of power it's generating in, because of the way it generates it, it's not like 200 lumens. You're getting, a, you're getting, it meets the Danish law for lights at night because they're a Danish company. So it's producing a good six, I think it's 60 looms on the front. And the back is plenty bright enough for a backlight. You can see it from everyone. Go to my YouTube channel. There's a video. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll make sure we'll we'll make sure to add the links to these products, like both on her store and on her YouTube channel. So you can go and look at both of them. Because it's hard to explain this concept without seeing, but it's a light that lights up. And when you stop pedaling, it flashes for two minutes. So if you hit a red light, you're still lit up. So cars can still oh, see. Oh, very cool. Okay. And I love it because now I can just grab my bike, my transport bike and go. It's got the lock attached. The lights are always attached. It's always night, day. It's ready to go. And it's like driving, right? You don't have that faff of putting a light on your bike. Right. Or, or remembering it or like, oh, I forgot my light because that's me. <laughs> <laughs> or charging it or it running out halfway through a ride or all of right because I used to carry two sets of lights when I commuted in London in case the set I was using ran out halfway home I had another set in my bag all the time like these lights don't run out they don't need charging and because you're not taking them on and off your bike they don't break whereas I used to break sometimes the um you know the connectors to awesome. your, yeah so I used yeah, to buy a ton of lights every year um, that was one of the things I didn't spend enough money on <laughs> when I started and uh, I would still break the clasps of the good ones and have to get new clasps so that those ones just stay on your bike and they don't break because you're not taking them on and off so they are genius they're one of the best sellers once people understand the concept they love they love um, the idea yeah I can I can see that I like I like what you're doing like what you put together like the lock and the light for your commuter yeah. Uh, that combo is really cool because that's one of the things that I put on my Christmas list was like a good set of lights for my bike. I don't know why, but I just don't have lights on them. And I know people like, you know, when we start riding and it gets darker earlier, you just get yeah, you get caught in. Yeah. yeah, you just got mm -hmm. it. So what else do you have? Right, the last thing is uh, <laughs> my um, aftershocks headphones. So they go on your cheekbones there. Have a, can you see it? Yep, I can see them. And so because they're not in your ear, you can hear what's going on around you and you can have your music or podcast because it's conducting the sound through vibrations to your eardrum through your bones. It's so hard to explain. If, like if you haven't tried them, it's hard to explain. And the best explanation I've had is that it sounds like there's a radio on in the room that only you can hear, right? Because you can talk to people, but you can still hear the music. I mean, I can't talk to people and listen to music, but... That's just me. Um, what you have to do to believe that they're actually conducting through your bones is I, I tell everyone who tries them to plug their ears, because when you plug your ears, you realize you're not hearing through your ears. Just, that's not where the sound's going. It is going through your bones. Um, so when I'm on my trainer, they come with earplugs. So when I'm on the indoor trainer, I put the earplugs in because the noise interferes and I don't need to hear what's going on around me. So I just plug my ears and then I have really good sound. I mean, it's not Bose quality sound and there's limitations, but yeah, every yeah. set they come out with gets better and better. So um, I absolutely love these. I got them for my husband years and years ago, a couple of models before this one uh, for his birthday. And he used them on the ride across Canada. And I swear he would not have made it across the prairies without his music. I know. Um, I'm like, 
you can only talk to yourself for so long <laughs> and you can only uh, conversations on the road go like this blah 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 what blah 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 what but never mind because the wind in you just don't hear anything especially me <laughs> i'll talk to you at the next stop yeah and uh, i had um, a speaker on my bike so if he was downwind from me, he had to listen to my music, which we have different tastes of music. Um, <laughs> so I have my Taylor Swift, you know, he has his his stuff that I don't listen to. We have stuff we both listen to, like, you know, the good old stuff, Johnny Cash and some classics, but uh, <laughs> uh, we don't always, don't always agree on what's motivating on the bike. <laughs> yeah, I could attest, like, my husband's playlist got the killers. I'm like, I freaking <laughs> like I don't know why you listen to this. but yeah I, I attest that and I just want to um reiterate I have tried those yes. and we we're just talking about I'm just going to give them another shot but they are and I got them because I didn't want to have anything in my ears yeah. but I want to listen and I was experiencing some um uh some uh vibrating in my ears and so when I put those on it was really, really cool. So I'm going to say like, I, I wish I could pass these through to you because the, I know, the, don't the, worry, Michelle, I'm going to make these okay. work. The, 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 <laughs> la the lack of vibration in these, because I know what those, those were two or three generations ago. I think there are three generations. The, the, they managed to reduce the vibration and make the sound better at the same time. It's amazing. Oh, but it is very cool. And I'm glad to see, I'm glad that you mentioned that there was a mini because I found that the um, the piece around my head was a bit big. Yeah, that's I couldn't wear it for my cranium. <laughs> just like, so it kind of sometimes it interfered with my ponytail and then my helmet yeah. and then like everything else I had. Yeah, going on back there. Yeah. Oh, um, when you have your sunglasses and your strap and your <laughs> I can just fit all three of those things on my sunglasses strap and because this new pair is so much sleeker you can see right like uh, and it looks smaller too and it's it, because it's more flexible they didn't have to make it so big so this fits right. me Nathan's old pair I couldn't wear the normal size right um, yeah and it's interesting to know that there are there are sizings now because yes it was uh, a couple of years ago that I got them for Christmas Yay. and uh, I was so excited. And then I'm, I'm going to give them another shot. Yeah, um, like you said, you think you got, I think I got a bum, bum pair, but they were amazing when they worked. Like yeah. I really, really liked the yeah. fact that they could just sit on my head and, and they wouldn't fall out. You know how, like you got your earbuds, you know, you could just move it. It'll just like pop out of your ear. I'm yeah. like, you know, and then it's gone down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I used to wear the one that would do the single when, when you ride with one in your ear. Yes. Right? Yeah. Just one. Yeah. But, uh, and then we like, you don't want to do too much movement with your, your sunglasses or your strap and then force okay. it to like, just like pop out. But, but do you have, so I know you showed three, do you want to share maybe one more or, um, how they can find you? So oh, yeah, you, the, so the other other things types of things, just so you know, that we sell are uh, waterproof gloves. There's a poncho that because when you're cycling for transport and wearing regular clothes, you don't want your legs to get wet. So the poncho goes over your handlebars, keeps your legs dry underneath your bike. Um, and then there's another what? jacket. That, yeah, there's a, but there's another jacket. I, I couldn't demo it for you; it wouldn't fit in the screen. But I love because it's a normal looking jacket. Doesn't even look like a cycling jacket, but 
you flip out some little reflective details for when you're cycling and it's got ventilation and then you unzip the sides and then this thing flaps out and you've got similar coverage as to the poncho so it'll cover your legs keep your legs dry but when you're getting off the bike you just zip away your little hidden cape and it looks like a normal jacket so I love that because I can wear that riding or not riding which makes it even though it's more expensive than the poncho I get more wears out of it because I can wear it on and off the bike and it solves that problem of screaming cyclist because it it functions like a um a jacket for a bike when you need it to but it's a regular jacket when you don't so yeah so it's just all those things to make cycling for transport easier and soon all the things for touring but (laughs) I'm slowly building up the uh items and because over the years I've tested so many things for people Mm -hmm. and I've developed relationships with people in smaller companies and discovered some really cool products. Those are the products I started with because I know they're good. I don't want people buying stuff and being unhappy with it and just selling cheap lights that break. That really Mm -hmm. irritated me when I started. Right. And I didn't know, I couldn't tell how to the difference. And I also don't, right. And uh, I don't want people overwhelmed by three, 3000 different options of, you know, X, Y, and Z, here's four good options, you know, slightly different for different budgets and needs. Um, Because I recognize not everyone dresses normally on a bike. Some people do want to wear the sportier stuff. So we've got some, also some people like wearing the waterproof trousers. So we've got some of those coming in 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 a couple months that you can take off without taking your shoes off, for example, because they completely like whip away. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a fan of um, cycling in trousers. I just find them restrictive and too warm. Um, but I know a lot of people that they swear by them. So, you know, it's, it's not just about my preferences, obviously. I want to have <laughs> options out there. So, um, yeah, and any any products anyone knows out there that's from a small company, you know, message me on Instagram or Twitter or I'm in all the places. Um, yeah. I'd love to know about them because that's sort of what this is about the high quality products that actually work and do what they say they do so that yeah I want and it's to- great if you know of a small company that's close by or maybe you know of somebody who has started a company um, and it'd be great for you to get you know our listeners to get in touch with Michelle because then it would provide more exposure for yeah. your friend if you happen to know them it doesn't matter where they are right it doesn't know um, the law came from the states i'm trolling the world <laughs> yeah just one of those things that make cycling for transport fast free and easy so that people choose to ride their bike to where they're going instead of their car right it's so yeah. when they're sitting side by side you want you know want the bike to be the obvious easy option and right now it not isn't always so mm-hmm. um yeah so i, I want everyone to love their bikes and <laughs> ride them more you yeah. know i miss living that's well that's one of the things that i miss living in the city because I used to commute all the time to work it was like five kilometers so I would always dress up in my clothes yeah most of the time yeah but you know in extreme winter like ice and snow <laughs> you don't look as like you you have to you know dress up a little bit warmer you don't want to be sweating in your stuff and yeah. and things like that but uh I, I miss that but I'm in the country so I'm okay but you could spend weekend riding, right? That's right. I'm I close to a lot of stuff like road and trail and mountain bikes and hikes and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not missing it as much, but I do miss the being able to commute yeah. over driving for yes. sure. 
I miss having a commute because I'm in my office. Yeah, right now. <laughs> it's having a commute. Like yeah. honestly, it's faster even... than the mount, faster than taking buses or driving. Yeah, it is in Bristol yeah. for sure. So, and we have a, a great path that takes us all the way into town, traffic free. So, quite lucky where we're where you're located. Um, but I do miss that daily ride. So, a ride to the the post office drop off orders. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's only like a kilometer and a bit away. So it's not too not long enough. So I usually end up going to the post office and doing a little bit of riding around for like after you dropped everything off. Yeah, just go for a little. <laughs> poodle on the bike to get a few more k in just because it's, it's just mm. once you're out on it it's just lovely so I do miss my commute mm. well this has been amazing Michelle thank you so much and thank you to our listeners I hope you guys took something away and you and you've got a couple things that you're gonna go check out because Michelle uh, Michelle had a lot of things in there we're gonna add as much as we can to our show notes so that you can just go and uh, click on the links of her store or you could just go to one less car dot life. It's funny because we have a one less car organization here in Ottawa and it's, it's refurbished bikes, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it came, the name came from a hashtag. So I saw the one less car hashtag and I'm like, Oh, that is good. And then we had, I bought a cap I bought a cap that said one less car. And then my husband took over the, the cap because it was, it was too tight for my head. And uh, that, that's where the inspiration for the name of the shop came from. But even if you just Google one less car, we come up the whole first page. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. That's good. So there you go. You can just search her out. And so thank you so much to our listeners. Don't forget to tag us and follow us on Instagram. We're both there. Um, and share this with somebody who you know might um, appreciate learning a little bit more or is in the UK or is thinking about getting into uh, cycle touring or is a commuter um, and check out Michelle's store. Thanks a lot, Michelle. This is awesome. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.